You're listening to One BTN. Welcome along to Unfold on with True Thoughts Records. I'm Robert Louis. Sorry, just adjusting the mics here, and I'm joined in the studio by Tim Lycan, aka Tim Deluxe, aka the man behind Uniting of Opposites, which is the track that we've just played. Welcome along, Tim. Hi, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. And how are you? Yeah, all good. All good. Thanks for having us on. Great, great. Um, so, yeah, you're here. You brought some tunes along that you're going to um, play for us. And we're going to discuss a little bit about sort of your history in music. So we'll have a little chat first before you get into some tunes. You've got vinyl as well, haven't you? Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> brought, brought some uh, records <laughs> along. Yeah, nice. Nice cool. digging through, deciding which, uh, what to bring and stuff. Yeah, good vibes. So we've had great feedback with the Uniting of Opposites project, which we've put out recently on True Thoughts. You've just done a recently gig at the Jazz Cafe. You've played at the South Bank Centre. Um, but I want us to start at the beginning because okay. people may know you as Tim Deluxe, yep. which you've released solo music on, and um, Double 99, Rip Groove as well, Big Tune, which currently on a revival with yeah. Sherelle, Riz Latif, and Fixate and Boiler Room all connected together. Yes, yeah, so, exactly, yeah. Yeah, you're, you, we, you, you, you're originally involved in dance music and you had a... I'll, I'll briefly explain our history and how we ended up getting involved with you in True Thoughts. I was playing an album, sort of a jazz house album, is that how you yeah, describe it? That right, was on yeah. Strictly Rhythm. Yeah, yeah. And I'd been playing that and you got in touch with me and I thought, ah, oh, Tim's going to send me some maybe broken beat music or dance floor music. But you sent basically ideas for the Uniting of Opposites album, didn't you? And yes. That, yeah. So that's how we got in touch. So to rewind back, you're sort of well known from dance music where, 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 where are you originally from and how did you get involved in the sort of the dance scene and basically yeah, it's kind of um it's originally irish and um i was living in northern ireland and then moved to london in sort of late mid mid 80s 85 actually arrived in london and how um, old were you uh i was eight years old oh wow and, okay. um, yeah it was kind of then sort of just getting into early hip-hop beastie boys run dmc it was kind of that mtv era as well so lots of um you know music videos and things and mainly yeah i guess mainstream music and then it was my older brother who uh, basically had this amazing we used to share a bedroom together and he had this amazing hi-fi system um and it record collection it was very varied actually it was just kind of ranging from sort of um you know, uh, traditional like Van Van Morrison <laughs> to Ry Cuda to James Brown to Bob Marley to Derek May Detroit Techno oh, wow. okay. to uh, you know like uh, the Smiths. You know, so these kind of like quite strong rare groove stuff as well. Lynn Collins and all these kind of yeah, real um, kind of really strong cultural records. You know, not really uh, mainstream music. Um, and I kind of basically sort of would listen to those records and that and a kind of combination of sort of M MTV at the time and that was where I'd, I'd sort of got my first kind of musical exposure and um, fell in love then with Pirate Radio uh, at that time which in, in London was like kind of the big ones with sort of Sunrise and Centre Force of sort of famous okay. Acid House but again, they were quite eclectic as well, especially Sunrise. They'd be playing, you know, because it was kind of coming off the back of that kind of sort of 
I guess jazz, funk, and rare groove and disco, like the early days of LWR yeah. and um, so this is Kiss and stuff. So yeah, 80, like, mid eighties, late eighties, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and so that it's all you know a lot of different scenes. Uh, I guess not that dissimilar in some ways to what it is now. And like with you know, there was the British soul scene, loose ends, and people like that, and. Uh, you know, soul to soul were creeping around and starting to do things. And then there was this, obviously, the huge influence of American hip hop, Public Enemy, Run DMC, and everything. And then the also the sort of acid house thing was about to happen as well. And I, um, I just fell in love with kind of yeah that music around that time, and especially uh, house music and dance music. And um, I started kind of just tuning in to those radio stations religiously. I was still at school, you know, and sharing music at school with people. And it was, yeah, I think there's lots of crossovers, you know, even even things like Stone Roses, obviously with Fool's Gold yeah. and the Happy Mondays and stuff that was kind of creeping over from the indie side. Um, and then you had the hip hop stuff and the breaks. So there was a lot of um, different sort of musical fusions happening um, and especially early rave that was just completely all these kind of different you know mashups and things going on shut up and dance were kind of yeah. like amazing for that pioneers of that sort of just taking things and reworking them and um, and shut up and dance often get overlooked in the stories of all of this stuff but they yeah, were they crazily they were pioneers, re- yeah, really doing so much stuff yeah, fusing together scene, yeah. those because those, um, yeah. I remember record shop that I I used to go to to buy my music in was called Time Is Right and um, I ended up then actually working there on a Saturday job and um, I remember when I was working there at, So uh, it was Time Is Right? We were, uh, we're in Chapel Market in okay. Islington in okay. Angel um, and they had other shops, they had one in Bristol Cardiff uh, and Shepherd's Bush but the Islington shop was the first shop and the uh, guys that run it, both called Dave, they sort of used to go to America and uh, buy cutouts and rare groove and jazz and stuff so it was a great shop to work in um, in terms of expanding my sort of musical mind and ear, um, did you spend your wage every on Saturday? I did, on yeah, it's just like buying rave records basically. <laughs> so, it's like, yeah, here you go, uh, here's your money back, and uh, I'll take these records. So, it's good. I used to get the cost price, so that's good. And, and yeah, it was, I mean, amazing place for sort of to be connected into. Uh, an exciting time because there was a lot of change in music at that time. Sampling had just appeared. Um, with actually, someone I then became good friends with, CJ McIntosh, with like his Mars project, Pump Up the Volume and stuff. Then he was a customer in the shop. Oh, wow. I sort of got linked into Ministry of Sound through him and got to DJ there. And yeah. So you, ca- you, you were getting into the DJing world and getting into Ministry of Sound. So quite relatively high level because ministry was relatively new then as well yeah it was yeah, yeah that was early days that yeah. was like the early 90s uh, basically and getting you know I wasn't even old enough to be in there illegally and oh, stuff so oh. I was get, kind of getting smuggled in <laughs> in his record box well <laughs> not quite but you know was, yeah basically three contacts you know yeah. it's like okay and so you were playing as well DJing yeah, as well wow. said, yeah yeah okay. I, I, said, I remember uh, always wanted to play there and I got to play I don't even know if I'd actually got to play there in the bar because the kind of main room was the sort of the gig, you know, ministry main room. And then the bar was also a great gig because it was ministry, but it wasn't the main room (laughs) and the Yuri mixer. And um, I remember getting a phone call from um, Lynn, who was running the Saturday night. And she said, uh, Chris can't do uh, tonight. He's double booked. I was in the record shop. This is Saturday afternoon. He can't do tonight. Uh, can you play before Todd Terry? 
Yeah, Chris has asked, you know, that I call you and get you to do it. And I was like, what? And that was like, yeah, I just like put that phone down. And I was shaking. I couldn't believe it. I was still like a teenager. Wow. You know, kind of late teens. And um, it was, yeah, it was insane. It was kind of like, right. So quite fast tracked, really, in, 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 a big, in a big league from an early age as well, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, that was quite, that was quite, that was quite mad. I, um, yeah, just ended up like, yeah, playing and, and DJing and then sort of, that had that first experience really thrown in at the deep end and then then I sort of then went back in subsequent you know weeks and months afterwards and, and was then playing in the bar and kind of building a vibe up there and trying to build my name up as a DJ and yeah and then just kind of just wanted to make music so okay I'll tell you what let, let's play some music you've got, you've got a few tunes to play yes we'll carry on from the DJing on your story after but we've got a few selections from you on vinyl what's the first one you got uh, to play? this this one is a record that I was hunting down um, basically uh, for a long long time it's you know one of those tunes that you uh, you kind of um, you hear, you have no idea how to find it. Shazam doesn't work. <laughs> and uh, it took me a year and a half to find the name of this tune. And I was up a ladder painting my, in my house. And Ben UFO had played this tune a long, long time ago. And I was like, what is this? And it's basically by a Japanese guy called uh, Mahito Hamasi. I'm pronouncing that right. And it's, um, yeah, Notes of Forestry is the album. Uh, this particular track's called Pascal. It's uh, one of those tracks that was kind of locked away in Japan in, in the 80s, was never on vinyl. Uh, now, kind of with the whole reissue and represses and things like that, uh, there's a whole sort of wave of Japanese music that's that's uh, being released. And yeah, this is a, a superb, superb record. Brilliant. Okay, let's run this and you're going to play a few more tunes as well. Yeah. Hi, this is Tim Deluxe. You're listening to True Thoughts with Rob Louie. Unfold 
with True Thoughts. Unfold with Robert Louis.
Oh, no. 
One BTN, 101.4 FM. there from Tim from Uniting of Opposites, Tim Deluxe. Thank you for those tunes. Do you want to give a rundown of what you played in case you've forgotten where it is? Yes, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, the first one, uh, that tune, uh, Elusive, uh, Motohiko uh, Hamasi uh, Pascal, a uh, Japanese import, uh, Notes of Forestry is the, the album. And yeah, like I said, uh, searching for that track for such a long time, amazing, um, well worth checking him out. I believe I've subsequently found um, other music from him now. I think Mule Records, a great label in Japan, Japanese label, they've reissued some stuff. Uh, also then, second was another interesting uh, character, Ludemek uh, Malnik, and that's a uh, requiem for Fallen Tree from his uh, latest album that's out on the raised tapes. Uh, 70 years uh, concert he just recently done. I went to attend at the Earth venue in Hackney. Um, amazing uh, guy, crazy stories, sort of absorbing himself in the piano and he calls it continuous music um how he plays and yeah it's amazing well worth checking out live kind of the record doesn't do it justice as if the sort of the sound was sort of physically moving and waving through the room off the piano that night it's a really really great show and then after that was a, 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 a true thoughts one a hidden <laughs> orchestra still uh, cut a great track from that album um, I think a couple of years ago now maybe yeah, is that yeah, yeah. Um, so I was, yeah, I was debating that or the remixes and thing but says that yeah went, went did, with that one um, and then uh, that last one was Cronus uh, Quartet and uh, Trio De Carli, uh and I picked that up last year on Record Shop Day actually in um, If Music big shout out to Jean-Claude and um, yeah turned us on to that record and then subsequently saw them perform it live at the Barbican which was an amazing gig yeah brilliant fusion and yeah great selections and probably as we were talking before this at the break we were talking with Ministry of Sound and if people know your background in dance music they possibly could be surprised about if they haven't heard the Uniting of Opposites album about the selections that you've just done but um, I know we'll be getting onto your journey into getting into where, where your head's at currently with the, sort of this I don't know what to call it, maybe contemporary classical or 
jazz sounds. I don't yeah, know how to describe it as well. Yeah, 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 I guess so. Yeah. But but before we uh, played the tunes, we were talking about um, you you DJing and really fast track at an early age, playing at the Ministry of Sound. So how did you get into production and what you know? Were there, were there sort of big tunes that you did? You know, originally or did it take you a few tunes to get into the scene? I, I genuinely don't know. I don't know the history. I know your big tunes, but I don't know how you got to. Yeah, point, sure. So, yeah. yeah, there was a, there was a kind of it was around ninety five, and I started to, to sort of had this desire to start making music as well as dj and um i was just loving all the, the kind of um records that were in the record shop and i was uh, i was collecting and i was just like you know just intrigued like i want to do this so what the, how do how do i go about it and kind of met um chris simmons from cross-section records uh via at school actually i, I was talking to a friend at school gave him a mixtape and his brother was working with chris um, and knew about the record shop so he kind of introduced me to Chris and Chris was like okay well if you've got some ideas come to the studio can try something out and uh, started making some records uh, with him and kind of seeing how records were put together um, in terms of kind of I mean it was just sampling stuff basically back then uh, and the same with ice cream records and that started with uh, meeting Andy and Omar in Time Is Right Records so the record shop was a real you know meeting point and uh, yeah we decided to set up ice cream records so kind of so that was your first thing of your own sort of setup yeah that cross-section early stuff they're both in 95 94 95 so so it's like simultaneously kind of doing some stuff with chris that was more housey and then ice cream was more sort of garagey kind of vibes and with ice cream it sort of took us a little while to get the label established um probably I guess the big, the big turning point came up when Rip Groove landed, and that was 97, so it was, we'd, I think we'd been going a couple of years at that point, okay. just putting out 12 inches, and not very many tracks, uh, maybe 10 releases or something, and, um, and basically sort of the whole scene was exploding as well, so we were kind of being swept along with that, uh, but we were still finding our sound, and, and they were quite musical, I was playing a lot of kind of chords and parts on the records and Omar was playing you know bass lines and melodies and things and yeah we were sort of finding our way in the studio as well it was a bit of a, a steep learning curve because uh, we decided to make those records on our own rather than with, use engineers or anything so it was a real you know beginning and all in-house then if you're releasing the music as well exactly yeah, yeah that was where Andy came in Andy was doing the distribution so he'd, he'd previously worked with um, a, just a hardcore label called Boogie Beat Records and uh, put stuff out as Kid Andy and um, yeah we were all part of that I guess the first wave of UK yeah. Garage us Grant, Tough Jams, um, MJ Cole. It was probably yeah, maybe just a handful of us that had, at that point were like making tunes because it was mainly American records that were being played yeah. and 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 bit like Todd Edwards and Mars at Work dubs and stuff. People were picking up on. Uh, I'm curious at that time because it it, it would be pre CDJ, I presume, around that time, yes, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah, it's it vinyl, vinyl only. Yeah. What what? What num- were you doing big numbers before Rip Groove or what was the average numbers you're pressing up a thousand couple of thousand or was yeah it about, about two thousand okay. yeah. and that's a success if you do a couple yeah, of thousand exactly, yeah exactly yeah yeah I think sort of we began we were doing like fifteen hundred then we sort of built it up to a couple of thousand some of them peaked at maybe two and a half thousand yeah. uh, vinyl three thousand but then it, rip groove really came along and that just took off and I mean I remember I think we'd, we'd actually licensed it over at that point but already just on van sales you know like specialist record shops we've done like 10,000 vinyls wow. off of that that was just like yeah it was like wow okay 
we sort of had definitely felt like we'd gone up a notch yeah. in terms of um, something was happening. You know, it's just like because we, we were kind of always sort of floating around the same sort yeah. of units and, and this came along and it was just like, okay. So you put that out first and then it got signed to a major, is that right? Yeah, yeah it was part yeah. of our sort of celebratory 10th release, a double pack. Uh, and we did kind of put these tunes together and we got Matt and Carl from Tough Jams to do a couple of mixes for us. We swapped mixes and Andy was great at out there distributing his shops and stuff. And he he got some covers actually printed up before the record was uh, actually pressed. So he, he, we had these covers because you used to have to go and get the covers done and take them to the pressing plant, you know, and then they would put the records in once they're pressed into the into these sleeves and... Uh, <laughs> he he kind of got the blank sleeves and put them up in all the shops windows and so people were like what's this what's coming you know and it was the first time we'd done anything other than just a like disco bag yeah and so it started in its own way creating this little vibe and that and some adverts on pirate radio um and all of a sudden there was this buzz going around about it and luckily um i don't know i think it was at the time as well what was interesting about it when i look back is that we had stuff on there that we were kind of known for and it was the sound of the label from before but also chats like Rip Groove and Oh Baby and Jump were real kind of curveballs and a bit new a bit weird there wasn't really anything else like them and it's sort of I remember just bringing loads of drum and bass records to the studio and sort of sifting in through them taking bits and also with um you know the kind of Van Helden just done the uh, Sugar Sweeter the CJ Boland mix and stuff and I could see in clubs there was this moment that kind of people were waiting for the drop which was obviously such a drum and bass thing yeah. uh, you know kind of stemming back from the sound system roots of reggae and stuff that you know when the records dropped this was this big moment and you could really see that that was starting to creep in over into sort of clubs and house clubs especially it was kind of gone was the, the sort of um more sort of steady thing people wanted a little bit more excitement and uh yeah we sort of latched onto that formula when you do I'm, I'm already curious of anyone who's ever done a hit like that and you've you've had a couple of big hits like that do you do you, have you got a gut feeling that you think not necessarily that it's going to be big but you think look this is special i think this could be the one over and above other tracks or do you you know is there one in five of the tunes that you do you feel that but it only happens you know one in 20 times or yeah i think it's a bit there is a special connection there i don't know what it is i can only before you made it you sort of felt this yeah when we were when we were making it sorry why you yeah before it was released I mean. yeah, yeah exactly yeah because yeah. i remember we'd done it and we were like we weren't sure what to make of it ourselves which was always it because everything else we're very sure of like oh yeah that just fits and you kind of in some ways you're just repeating yourself but with this we weren't sure at all and we were like whoa but we were like yeah it's it's it's, it's crazy i remember we played it to spoonie and um he was like whoa you lot are mad that's crazy he's like i'll play that you know and he, it just went off. It just went off. Like literally, cut a dub plate like that week, you know, and uh, tested it, and it, it went off. And, uh, and from there, we were like, okay, we know this is big. But with other big records, yeah, you kind of, I guess for me, I get the feeling that there's. I mean, ultimately, you don't know once you put something out, you don't know what's going to happen or how people will receive it. Yeah. And that's something we've got no control over. Any artist, you know, it's kind of no matter, you know. How 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 big you are, yeah. even you know, even for the biggest artists, that, that sometimes doesn't go the way they want it to. It's just out of control that that side of it. But 
I think I think you do know that there's something special or that or that you've yeah. caught some kind of zeitgeist or moment for yeah. sure there is a feeling it's very hard to put into words but it's, yeah. because it, even when, when um, I mean uh, at that time I was doing clubs and buying them more into the jazz funk soul hip hop world as well but you know w- when you hear that record you, you, you hear all the big tunes but that one you know it stands out because there's it felt there's something more going on it's interesting you saying there's almost the influence from drum and bass and you brought it and you sort of realised it was a bit weird I think that's what that record is isn't it it's quite unusual and almost I suppose we have to talk about it. it's been the new revival with Fix A and yes. this whole situation with Sherelle and Riz Latif um, what I know you're you're not actually on social media too much, are you? No, you're quite so avoided. What did you think of the, that that whole situation? I was shocked because I, I, I was getting. It's so funny as well. Like in, I was in a parallel universe at Cafe Otto, listening to Thurston Moore, actually tuning in a radio live as part of a performance uh, with Scanner, um, who's kind of an ex-techno electron, but doing very, very, like it was a noise gig, an avant-garde noise gig in, in, in celebration of uh, Luke Ferreri, the, the, the composer, um, music of his. And uh, it's funny because actually what's so mad is that night, I remember getting texts while I was at the gig from people and they were like, check this, check this, but I, I, I turned my phone off then. Um, but what I was actually watching at this gig was, um, yeah, first of all, tuning in this radio, going through this, these different stations live and the, uh, the news and, and bits and pieces and songs and making these really mad noises with his guitar and, and, and feedback and stuff. And then this uh, it was a French guy who was playing and he was actually on CDJs and he was kind of playing and reversing and throwing samples in and doing spin backs and all this stuff. And what was in my head the next day when I saw that I was like that's weird I was kind of like watching this last <laughs> night and how how the two have linked up kind of in, in my mind um was sort of uh, sim- symbolically that uh, it was yeah I mean to me it's like it's amazing to see that something we've done I don't know what was it 22 years ago that is still living and breathing and in its form and that kids are still, kind of still appreciating it and and you know it's completely organic the kind of fixate thing of him just doing a version a remix uh, version bootleg essentially yeah. and um, interpreting it in such a new way as well you know because we have had the discussion over the years of whether you know it, whether it should have a vocal which we should re-release it and things like that and always feels a bit contrived and a bit forced and stuff and I'm not a fan of those type of kind of moves and with this it's been so organic and yeah. amazing to see like you know kind of new generation also djs like sherelle just doing her thing out there and um that i mean i've never seen a reaction to, yeah. to rick groove like that you know never it's, it's insane one thing i should do for anybody who may not know because we might be going into not so much nerd territory but in the uk it's been quite a big story there's a dj called sherelle um she was playing uh a bootleg remix that Fix A, who's a great drum and bass producer, did off Rip Groove. Yes. And another DJ called Riz Latif, while she was playing, came and rewound it. Uh, Boiler Room put it out as a viral thing just for a bit of fun, but then people started dissing Riz Latif for going and rewinding it. There became issues of, is it because she's a female DJ, should you rewind another DJ's track while they're playing? Sherelle and Riz Latif are sort of made up by the time people were having a go yeah. at him. And so it became quite a... It brought lots of different dialogue, but whilst all of that is going on, there's this great fixate who I've loved. I've played a lot of his tunes since their bias put me onto it. 
that, that track's obviously become very popular and now is getting uh, an official release. Isn't yes, it? yeah, so, yeah, exactly. That, that, that's what's great about it as well. It's just like kind of, you know, I've just no idea with um, yeah, Fix 8 had done this and then all of a sudden, you know, seeing uh, this this clip, like literally, you know, people emailing me and, and, and telling me about it. It's like, wow, okay, this is interesting. And seeing the energy that's there, it's just like, I, I kind of said to Andy at Ice Cream, you know, it's just like, release it make it make it happen you know because it's it's such a magical kind of moment and uh also feel like in some ways that record's not ours anymore it's it's like we just we okay of course we made it and this that and the other but records like that that keep continually being reinvented and go on and on in some ways they're they're bigger than you know that's the artists it's always about the new generation and what they'll do with it and how they'll reinvent it and move it forward and things like that and I think maybe before I was kind of not so open to that idea, but now I kind of fully embrace that. This is like I think, um, especially records like that, I'm fortunate enough to be invo- involved in it. it. It's kind of they become real cultural standpoints and defining records. And it's only, of course, at the time we wouldn't have known that, yeah. but it's only it literally is with the test of time. It's just like you know seeing that happen. Yeah, I mean over a decade later, and it's, it's, it's uh, two decades. It's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's quite an amazing feeling. And what's I've got to ask you, have you got any strong opinions on the rewind? Should, should you rewind when another DJ is playing? Or? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I think... I thought she rewound it. No, no, no. he came and he came ah, and rewound. Okay. So that's, that's what started the contrary. I think it started because people were going... He, he wouldn't. He wouldn't have done it. He only did it because she's a female DJ. But ah. I think what the people didn't realise. I think Rizna, from what I understand, comes from a bit more of the grime scene where the de- you know people in the crowd would just run and yes. rewind it as well. So it wasn't. It was more like, wow, this is going down really well, and it was that energy. But it became, and it, it seemed to become an issue of him interfering with the DJ set, which, as they spoke, I mean, she was in the moment and was a bit annoyed. Yeah, I've had people rewind in my sets. I, I don't do rewinds, and I get. I know people get frustrated sometimes when you don't do rewinds but it happens it's not the end of the world yeah it, so. i think I, I, exactly <laughs> I, I, I think i think the bigger thing about it is is that it's it's um of course you can analyze these things to the you know but it's essentially is how, how did the people involved feel about it you know yeah and, and uh, I, I guess if she's cool with it then i think they made up in five minutes and yeah, then right, online then, everyone was using it as an excuse to fight we, each other we can all analyze it till <laughs> yeah. the cows come out it doesn't really matter as, as long as they're cool but yeah <laughs> I do, you know, I, th- I think um, t- rewinds have their place for certain, you know, come from going to lots of raves and drum and bass and things like that. And obviously how much have, uh, you know, part of kind of sound system culture that they are. Um, and it's, yeah, I think, you know, it's important. I mean, essentially house DJs would do the same thing, kind of, they'd just play the record three times yeah. in a set. Yeah. They wouldn't rewind, yeah, yeah. but they would, you know, they'd play a record at the start of their set in yeah. the middle and that's that's how Tony Humphreys yeah. and Larry Laval, all those guys, would break yeah. records. They yeah. just keep playing it yeah. over in, in within the same set. So essentially, it's kind of the same yeah. sort of thing. It's just like here's these moments. I'm gonna d- drill this home to you. You know, you really need to listen or hear this record or feel this record. And and um, I sort of yeah, I, t- I'm, I think uh, I think it can be a point if every record's getting rewound <laughs> that. On the, you know, if you're there to dance, yeah, it's like, and oh. you need you need a proper reaction as well, not just to build a reaction as well. Yeah, as well, so, yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. I, th- I, th- I think that's the thing. But yeah, definitely from that video, what I saw, there was definitely a proper. It was yeah. definitely worthy <laughs> of uh, of the reload or the rewind. You know, definitely for sure. Okay, I'll tell you what. 
Oh, we were talking about all this race stuff, but let, let's get back to some more music. Should yeah, we play sure. some more, more music? Yeah, you want to pick up the tempo on this yeah. one. What have you got next? It's a track from Actress and uh, London Contemporary Orchestra. Hi, this is Tim Deluxe. You're listening to True Thoughts with Rob Louie.
Unfold with True Thoughts. Unfold with Robert Louis. du gaz qui fait rire. Il suffirait de leur dire que les temps ont changé. Il faudrait alors entendre un beau rire nouveau. Ce 
to True Thoughts Radio with special guest Tim Deluxe from Uniting of Opposites uh, playing a few selections there. Do you want to give us a rundown of what we played? Yeah, wide, wide, wide range of selections there. Um, it's, the first one was Actress and the London Contemporary Orchestra, a project that uh, came out last year on uh, Ninja Tune. And that track was um, Audio Track 5. And then a track, amazing track, uh, from 1989, believe it or not, by uh, Haruomi Hoshono uh, and a track called Laugh Gas. And then after that, played uh, Henrik Schwartz with the Metropole Orchestra and a track called Algorithm. Uh, really beautiful track. Um, love the, uh, the chords and brass and strings at the end. And then finally into uh, one of my, probably my favorite soundtrack from last year, uh, The Phantom Thread uh, by Johnny Greenwood of Radiohead. And that's a track called uh, Sandalwood. Great selections there, definitely a few on my buy, buy list now as well. Thanks, Tim, as well. <laughs> so, yeah, let's catch up. Probably we might be running out of time if we, we, we might fast forward a little bit. Because sure. you, um, so you, you, you did Rip Groove, you did It Just Won't Do, which is another big hit. And you sort of ended up, I suppose, on, can I call it the superstar DJ circuit? Were you, I guess so, you, yeah. At that time, <laughs> at it that was time, you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And... I suppose there's been a transition after that. I could imagine my 15-year-old self listening to this radio show and thinking, wow, that would be amazing to have this journey that you've done. You know, start very early DJing in clubs, then make records, then have, you know, have two sort of different genres, I suppose, the garage scene and then a big house Ibiza anthem, I presume, of yes, worldwide yeah. hit. Um, but in a way, that sort of took its toll on you a little bit. Is that right? And, have, you know, what was that, that world or for you? Yeah, I, th- I think yeah. the thing was, I was kind of quite young and got uh, sort of I felt like catapulted into it uh, very quickly uh, and yeah I guess I guess 
ultimately when I look back in hindsight I just kind of burnt out um, and it's a quite an unhealthy lifestyle believe it or not uh, kind of touring around um, the world uh, and living in nightclubs <laughs> it's, uh, it's definitely not um, you know f- for, for the recommended by the doctor that's for sure and I, I think for me it's just like to take a bit of a toll on my mental health as well I became a bit unhappy um, a bit frustrated as well with with some of the gigs that I was doing and the amount of gigs and also quite a lot of pressure as well I think it's very it's in some ways very addictive because it's kind of you're getting uh, treated very well playing to large audiences and all these clubs and crowds uh, and and you know going along with the kind of hit records and that momentum um, but actually it's also very lonely because at the end of it you're, you're sort of there on your own everyone else goes back to work on Monday and you're sort of stuck uh, in an airport or in a hotel room trying to get yourself back together again for the, for the week ahead and um, I felt that a lot and I felt it started wearing me down um, so I decided to step away from it basically and it sort of uh, yeah took time off and just never went back uh, decided that that was enough I'd had my fill had my fun wouldn't change it for the world but in terms of moving forward as a sort of a, a producer and, and as an artist and as a musician um, I, I felt like I had some work to do so I decided to first of all get healthy you know uh, and that was a kind of a radical change with diet and uh, exercise regime um, giving up alcohol and stuff and uh, yeah just looking for a more sort of balanced life I guess and uh, quite, quite a big change as well wasn't it I, I think one thing I know from speaking to you before probably in the time I, I, th- I think now at the moment there definitely seems to be a more open discussion within the community of sort of music and clubs and all of that environment about, about depression and mental health but probably at the time that you're doing it was at the time of maybe the loaded FHM boy you know boys will yeah. be boys style thing as Brit well pop. so yeah yeah <laughs> Britpop so I suppose for you it must must have been a lot harder for anybody at that time and, it, and you know without a doubt there's a lot of people who were dealing with that at the time that probably all many people just burying those feelings and not dealing with them as yeah well, for sure I was, I was yeah. certainly guilty of that of yeah. hiding my feelings and thing I, I, I think you know there's definite element within it uh, of, at the front end of those scenes of, of it being competitive and kind of you know very ego driven and narcissistic and I, I was definitely had my my part to play in that with my own my, myself and the pressure I put myself under and how I wanted people to perceive me and stuff and uh, you know it's kind of also you get quite a lot of adulation from 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 these events and these crowds and stuff so looking back I think um it's something you kind of it's a bit of a front and and but there is there is health repercussions there and if if people don't speak up and also i think just men in general um have always at least on my side of things and and my experience with my own family and things like that have, have always struggled with dealing with their emotions and things like that and it's seen as maybe feminine or or you know not masculine to 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 express yourself and i think it's good in some ways moving forward that those kind of discussions it's kind of it's just human it's just like it's just it's not anything it's just it's needed it's we all are fragile and we need help and we need to express ourselves and bottling things up uh, and not good and so yeah i think that's important um and seen it subsequently you know with, with obviously you know 
kind of it's become very public with the EDM scene, uh, with Avicii passing away. Um, and yeah, I think it's important. I think it's good that the industry is now looking at that. I think back then it was a new, the explosion of the sort of superstar DJ becoming the new rock star was a very new thing. Uh, you know, for instance, the I think back to Brighton Beach, the first one Norman yeah. done. I mean, that uh, was yeah, and you played on that one, didn't you? I wasn't, no, he, oh, played know, it, he, he opened it with It Just Won't Do. Oh, right, right, yeah, okay. That was his first record, okay. and he played it, I think, as his last record, okay. and it was just, you know, insane. You see that, you know, that moment, and it's just like, wow, this is a DJ playing to 250,000 people. He's completely stopped, this, you know, the this, this city yeah, of yeah. Brighton, and it's just like insane um and so i think it was all new back then yeah. for a lot of people uh sometimes for some some people commenting you see oh there's a perception that it's all brilliant isn't it and it's like if you look at a hollywood celebrity or kurt cobain you know it, you, you can have everything and it's not enough sometimes if you haven't dealt with what's going on isn't it and i yeah. think I, th I think that's what from you, you there was a part there was an element of you know you enjoyed it and then in a way i suppose not not trying to put words in your mouth, but no, not necessarily no regrets, but it, what happened happened, isn't it? But you had to deal with how you're actually feeling, isn't it? As a human being, really, isn't it? Which is what it's about. Yeah, exactly. It? Because yeah. I think it's, it's, it's one of those things that um, it's a great place to escape, yeah, you know, your feelings. And, and uh, like I say, at the front end of it, you, you, you're keeping busy, you're being kind of toured and you have, you know, building up these kind of fans and, and all this stuff. And it's a great distraction. But ultimately, yeah, I mean, it's um, if you are not looking after yourself and, and, and taking self-care in, in, you know, seriously, then you will come a cropper. And that's kind of for me what I've done is, is uh, you know, I kind of uh, had to had to address it. Otherwise, I would have um, I would have been. Yeah. Who knows what may have happened yeah. you know, if I'd have kept plowing on uh, and stuff. I would have been deeply unhappy. I know that uh, I already, was already beginning to feel that. Uh, yeah. So I think, yeah, for, for certain, it's important to deal with our stuff we, we are after all everyone's just human yeah you know, all too human yeah and and we, i know when we were talking earlier you were mentioning also you found your creativity was really low because of the con consistently djing and maybe not having that time which i suppose it's when you when we were talking earlier you're saying you know now if you're not feeling like you can do something you can just go to go to an art gallery or go and watch yeah. a film or something like that but that pressure of being on the circuit recovering not really having your own headspace doesn't add to the creativity which is what was making you get to the position you were wasn't it yeah well? of course exactly it's a kind of paradox isn't it it's yeah. like this creativity gets you the opportunities and opens the doors by you know by making this music and people want you to come and share it with them and play these records at the time you know but then at the same time it's also taking you away from the studio and the place that you you you, you kind of began this the, the, this journey and um it's important i think it's always important to find that balance and stuff but it's difficult as well because financially there's a lot of rewards and also ego and and uh, you know there's there's pressure uh, and also self-pressure as well yeah. i'm pretty pretty hard critic at the best of times of myself and that's something i've had to learn to, had to learn to go a bit easier on myself and it's like you know perfection is uh, in the imperfection as uh, as uh, mr roots maneuver says <laughs> you know for, for anyone listening who may, may be going through something because it with all of this it doesn't you don't have to be on a scale of being a superstar dj or having hit records particularly within the music industry you can sometimes that feeling can come because you, you feel you're not doing well or not doing well enough as well have you got any advice for someone who's maybe come, gone through it and come around the other side of what is a, you know how to face up to it or anything that you 
might think would be helpful yeah, for I, people I listening. I think the only thing I can say is 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 just find someone that you can uh, talk to and trust uh, to share that will just listen. I think uh, listening to, uh, is to people is a really amazing skill and some of us do it better than others but if you if you have anyone around you that's that's prepared to listen um just just even voicing things sometimes that you've held on to thoughts and things can be uh, you know just to share them with another human being just to actually mirror just to see yourself and see how it sounds even to say something out loud uh can have a really powerful effect uh on your on yourself and um yeah, of course, it's kind of, I think the biggest thing for me is probably doing a lot of uh, psychological work, uh, reading, self-study, and also doing some therapy work, uh, actually attending therapy. That's been amazing help. Um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, it's kind of just trying to understand ourselves, look inside. It's, it's kind of quite sort of shifting the focus from you know outwards to flipping it over yeah. inverting it you know to a more inward focus um and also i mean just uh, one of the biggest things that i can't recommend enough is running um it's uh, you know I, I really got into running and that just definitely changed my life yeah. uh, exercise as well, as well. Exercise it's a big thing, yeah. just just getting out of the house or getting out of your circumstance that um, maybe you feel a bit stuck in definitely helps um sort of kind of it's really hard to put into words what it does and also I think the biggest thing around that as well is when you have sort of friends who become your fitness group when your friends are your fitness group and vice versa it really things really change you know with in nightclubs it's kind of this is a slightly different setup <laughs> you know the kind of peer, peer groups are uh, on a different vibration <laughs> so you know but that for sure has been, uh, you know, has been two things that I would I would um, recommend maybe to anyone that uh, sometimes sort of feels like they can't um, cope with uh, sort of the situations of, of, of maybe their own feelings, emotions, or, or the situations that they're in. They definitely, those two okay. things for me have, have, over time have worked, and I think as well not to have any expectations because there isn't really any quick fixes either. It's a very slow process uh, it takes time yeah and so yeah okay so what was the first projects what you what, what, what the strip was the strictly rhythm thing was one of the first new things that you did in in sort of that frame of mind yeah you? it yeah. Surely was yeah. yeah yeah there was a record called transformation um that uh sort of uh yeah first kind of record that i'd made uh basically because i i wanted to, i went back to connect with music um but I didn't want to DJ, so I was just like, well, I'm going to learn piano and play piano properly. Uh, I'd only sort of messed about before, and I was just like, I'll go and study and start to get into jazz harmony and, and try and understand and even classical and just, just connecting with the instrument. And that also has been a huge um, help uh, for me creatively because it's kind of given me another level now of understanding of... Um, being able to express myself uh more than just a producer which i kind of i guess i was probably i guess before you know dj producer but now it sort of feels 
uh, more kind of tapped in as a, as a musician, uh, feel more confident in that myself. That's an ongoing process, you know, uh, and it's a lifelong process. So it's it's it's, it's nice to, to be able to do that. Okay, I tell you what, should we play a track from the Uniting of Opposites album? Yes, and then um, maybe you could play a few more tunes after that as well. What 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 should we play from Uniting of Opposites? Album? Um, let's maybe go with uh, Car Number Twenty Seven. Hi, this is Tim Deluxe from Uniting of Opposites.
Unfold with True Thoughts. Unfold with Robert Louis. To True Thoughts with special guest Tim Deluxe from Uniting of Opposites um, in the studio with me. And yeah, what was the last tune you just played? Ed? That was uh, Tom York, believe it or not, Radiohead Suspirium from the Suspiria soundtrack. On to let's chat about Uniting of Opposites. And um, 
how would you describe the project to somebody if they've never heard it? I, I guess it's a, a fusion project, essentially, just in a, in, you know, in, in, a, in a word of um, musical kind of cultures and styles coming together. It's in the main part, I guess, influenced by you know the, um, Clem uh, and Ben and myself, the three of us. Uh, and Clem's our musical background, so Clem coming from the classical Indian uh, training as a sitarist uh, back in the 60s, uh, Ben from sort of jazz bassist point of view, and myself from sort of producer, DJ, electronics guy, and sort of, um, you know, now becoming a musician, sort of formed uh, this musical collective, if you like, and bringing other musicians in on board to it, so to, like Eddie, uh, Eddie Hicks, uh, playing drums and um, Eddie plays with Sons of Kemet. Sons of Kemet, exactly. Yeah, and uh, yeah, just amazing people playing on the records. I I Idris Rahman, you know, from Soothsayers and Ill Considered, uh, Marcina, Arnold on vocals. Uh, yeah, I'm sort of forgetting. Then Manjeet, of course, playing tabla. Manjeet Razia Singh and. I think that's it, but maybe he left someone off. I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember so, now. So, so with the project, did did it? How did the concept of the project start? Was it meeting Clem, or was it? Was it was with yeah, it was with Ben actually. Ben okay. and I had talked about making some music together, um, and we were sort of jamming and trying to figure out what it was or what we wanted to do. And I had just done um, the Radical album, and uh, I was kind of looking to do something. Yeah, that wasn't another dance project, and I basically was like really getting into the jazz side of things deeper, um, and I'd also sort of experimented in the uh, last track of the Radical, actually a track called Shanti, uh, sort of fused together kind of jazz and sort of Indian styles, and always been a fan of the kind of like fusion that I guess that Clem was part of in the sixties, late sixties, of like jazz and Indian music. Um, and kind of yeah i guess alice coltrane and john coltrane and the sort of spiritual side of it and i guess that's probably when i look back maybe the connection also as well is kind of like uh sort of shifting my gaze inwards uh overall as we spoke about earlier and um i, I feel yeah that was part definitely d doing this project was kind of that's part of it has been part of that journey as well and um i think with uh you know bringing these elements together it's uh it's kind of i don't know I, I guess they weren't planned uh the project kind of wasn't planned musically like that so much it was, it was kind of it's, it's improvisational when we do the gigs it's improvisational there's just, there is a rough structure but the rest of the time it's kind of it can go anywhere we just played the jazz cafe and that was like kind of it's it really great but you know it kind of what the rehearsal was and what happened on the night was <laughs> you know and it's great it's challenging for me as well because i'm obviously trying to communicate as a musician now i'm not djing it's a very different world and it's been a real good, a, a learning curve and um you know playing in that environment i'm really blessed to be around musicians uh, like that uh so yeah the project's kind of um yeah fusion i guess yeah. a fusion of all these elements and that's what's great as well because I think it represents a kind of unity of, 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 you know, at least London anyway, or how my interpretation of London and, and how great it is with these different cultural mixes, me being Irish, Clem being Scottish, but trained essentially in India. 
you know, Ben hitchhiked to get out yeah, there to learn. Yeah. Exactly yeah. in the sixties, yeah. Um, <laughs> and on the record as well, you listen to the, like the music itself. It's kind of there's jazz, there's electronic, there's dub, there's <laughs> dub with you know this kind of one drop vibe with uh, you know Vortex Number Nine and yeah drone stuff, which is more noise based and kind of heavy and yeah. And I just think. When you feed into all these different styles and influences, it's, it's it, yeah, to me it represents, um, yeah, something that, you know, it's kind of what London uh, also represents is these fusions and, yeah. and uh, as a space and a place to live in. You know, something's really great about it. And, and it's really, for, for us as a label at True Thoughts, I mean, we always try and put out unusual music. I'm always very honest with artists about what we may or may not be able to do. I, I think with you, it was like, look, I really like this. I just don't know how, it, you know, I said, I don't know how, how it will be received, but you know, it's been really well received from us. I, mean, I know Charles Peterson has played it. We were, you know, debating whether we should do vinyl and then you commissioned some great artwork. You found great artists to do the artwork and we just thought, oh God, this has to be on vinyl, doesn't it? As yeah, well, yeah, so. that was a real turning <laughs> yeah, point. I yeah. think, yeah, it was really, it definitely felt, obviously it's the first time working with you guys, but it really felt like a real turning point when uh, the artwork arrived and it was starting to form as this, that's really exciting. And uh, I remember the, the sort of emails going around at the time we were looking at it, checking, and, and it's like, wow, this is, yeah, this is going to look super cool. Yeah, really really chuffed with that and it's pretty pretty out there musically so I think for us our expectations as well with you know we just kind of kind of realize that uh, of course we're not going to be competing with uh, you know with Ariara Grande or whatever <laughs> <laughs> whoever's at the top of the charts or something but um, it's not really about that um, and I, I feel yeah really proud of the records and I think it's something that will um, stand the test of time i think musically i think I, th I feel that and that's kind of you know me being maybe a bit too proud or, or the, but um but I, d I do i do feel that i do think it will um it will stick around and yeah. we've been yeah i mean really blessed with the, the, the feedback that we've had from it and stuff you kind of djs playing it and supporting it in a real cross-section as well which has been really nice just that some people have pick, picked up on the kind of more uh traditional tracks other people picked up on the more jazzy tracks or the more more dub tracks or even the drone tracks I've seen being played in kind of more avant-garde shows. So it's a real, yeah, I think that's, you know, that, that that's something that um, always excites me when I see that about a record, that it's not just kind of one set group of people yeah. playing it or that it sort of, you know, in its own little way has kind of fans in, in little pockets, little corners. And I definitely know for listeners of this show, we're very, very open-minded and it's, it's one of those albums, I think, do go and check it and it's especially one of those to maybe forget about the day and be in a totally different world. I think that's the thing I like about this album because it's not really sounding like anything else out there. I, I, I personally quite enjoy just listening to it right now. I just want to take myself away from everything and be in a totally different space as well. You know, it's not, I want a banging grime tune to yes. get ready in the morning and wake me up, but it's it's, it's, it's just got that feeling. Now, as I said, I, I, I know for me personally, it will be an album that I'm, I'm sure I'll be go, going back to again and again. We are beginning to run out of time, so probably we, 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 we'll finish with um, uh, the the tune that you've just done a remix for. Yes. Uh, how would you describe this new remix that you've done as well? Is yeah, I'm not sure. It's kind of, uh, <laughs> I, I guess it's a piano, or it's kind of piano piece, uh, or slightly orchestral, deep. It's quite deep. Uh, Ben's playing bass on it. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I guess it's more... Um, 
in terms of uh, sonics, it, yeah, so it's a much more intimate sound. Um, there's no beats or anything. I decided to uh, just concentrate on piano. Uh, something that I've been focusing on a lot at the moment. I've got a lot more new music coming that way, which is kind of just stripping things away and seeing what happens when it's just me at the piano um, and some kind of strings and other sort of sounds. Um, and just, yeah, so, uh, yeah, really stripping things back to, to just very raw uh, and kind of more intimate sounds. Um, and seeing 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 where that takes me so yeah this this remix is definitely kind of uh this kind of maybe start of that journey of just really feeling to investigate the kind of the chords and the um ex sort of extending the harmony of the original and stuff so it's quite interesting going back and having to you know relearn music that I played a long time ago and then see how i can take it in a different direction but it's um yeah, I'm happy with how it's how it's come out. We're really pleased. So yeah, so make sure you check out Uniting of Opposites album. It's out on True Thoughts now. Vinyl, unfortunately, sold out, but it is out there digitally and on on streaming services. Tim, thank you for bringing those ch the tunes as well. You put me onto some great music as well. Thanks for coming Ooh, down to Brighton. Thank you so much for well. having us. Great, okay. thank you. So we're going to finish off with Ancient Lights, the Tim Lycan instrumental remix. You're listening to True Thoughts. And one BTM. This is Tim Deluxe. You're listening to True Thoughts with Rob Louie.
Two, 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 two